All right, well, good evening, everyone. Make sure you're at a table with at least three people. Get to know someone new. If you need to get someone new, at least three people. Make friends. You can be at a table with two, but you'll just become best friends, and you'll know everything about each other's life from high school up until now. Give a big hand for, um, for Bree and Odell. That's our... Two of our amazing people from our Steadfast group, uh, Jeff Bonesaw Barnett is the young adults pastor. If you know anyone uh, young adult, make sure to get them in there. You guys are doing amazing stuff. That's one of the blessings. We have so many talented people at a church. It's a lot of fun. So you guys rock a little bit. <laughs> but thank you so much for joining us on what we call our gathering, our Wednesday night service. Uh, it's based all around fellowship table talk, and of course, we center everything around Jesus. That's why we go verse by verse through the Bible. And we're continuing on our Gospel of John. And it's been a long journey. This uh, chapter 12 is one of the most important chapters that we're going to go through. So we're going into our third week, breaking this apart, and we'll actually have one more next week. Um, but this is just a really important chapter. Because from the beginning in chapter 1 up until 11... We're getting a chance to see who Jesus is from that point of view, like the start of everything moving forward. We're seeing all these different dynamics of healing. We're seeing miracles being done. We're reading about people starting to follow him and the power of what he has and what he holds. Now we're about to lead into starting with this chapter to see what's going to happen with Jesus, why he came to this situation. So the tone is changing completely, and we're about to get in some really heavy things tonight. So tonight's going to be a scripture-heavy sermon because this is so important. What I say is just merely going to accent what's put in here because these words mean so much, because this is breathing the life by Jesus Christ. It's amazing, and I'm excited to go through this tonight. The last time we met before our night of worship, we had Jesus' triumphal entry, where the King of Kings came as humbly as anyone can riding on a donkey. That's an amazing king. Someone, they were expecting something so much different, but little did they know what power he held and what they were witnessing. By making his grand entry into Jerusalem, now people are aware that he is there. And he is followed by crowds, some worshiping him, Others figuring out who he is. And now by everyone knowing that he's there, there's some people there that have been following him to arrest him and take him in and ultimately lead him to his death. We are all here to experience firsthand of a story you guys all know, but a story that will never get old because it means something different to each and every one of us. Jesus' relationship with each of us at these tables is different. And we get a chance to experience them on a whole new level when we get to read through scriptures like this. So I'd encourage you guys to please stand. If you're able to stand, we're going to read through our opening text tonight. We're going to be in John chapter 12. And we're going to start off with verses 20 through 22. Some Greeks who had come to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration paid a visit to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee. They said, Sir, we want to meet Jesus. Philip told Andrew about it, and they went together to ask Jesus. 
Lord, we're so thankful for this chance to come together. We ask you to bring the scripture to life. I ask you to just reveal something new to us that we've never seen before. But most importantly, we just want to feel you tonight, Lord. I ask you to just bring the Holy Spirit in. Let it affect us in ways that we just can't even explain. We lift this night up to you and we're thankful for these chances to read more about you, learn more about you, and just have a relationship with you. It's your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. So it says some Greeks who had come to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration came up to Philip and then they're asking him, hey, can we talk to Jesus? And these guys were probably approaching Philip because he had a very common name to their own origin. And he was probably dressed the same. So they're like, well, this is a safe guy. He looks like he probably has it in with Jesus. So they go to ask him. Philip's always been known to not really jump the gun at stuff. So he goes and asks his buddy Andrew, hey, what do you think? These people that don't look like normal people that would want to talk to Jesus want to talk to Jesus. What should we do? And Andrew's like, oh, yeah, let's go. So they go off and they go to, to meet Jesus and start talking to him. And in verse 23, it says, Jesus replied, Now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter in his glory. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. This is a deep part of scripture where we're able to see this. The time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. We begin to now see what it means for Jesus and what is going on. How to even better explain what's going on in his life. So this is a better explanation of who God is. A better explanation of who Jesus is. A better explanation of how we factor into the situation. This is all based around these scriptures right here. In these verses... Jesus states that he is now the fork in the road. It's hard to see a little bit, but this is a fork in the road. There's two different ways going. Jesus is now right in the middle. Jesus is the deciding thing that we have to decide on of which path we are going to take. Our lives will now be defined through Jesus Christ, what he stands for and who we stand for. Not only has his hour come where he'll lay down his life, for all of us, but in doing so, Jesus stations himself right in front of us. And this whole message as I was praying and getting ready for this, all I could imagine and the, the image I want you guys to take home tonight is in this fork in the road, I imagine Jesus actually standing right there and I am looking directly into his eyes as he is waiting to see which way we're going to go. And just imagining in his eyes, his eyes filled with such love, thinking, please choose the road that I'm trying to put you on. But so often we go down the other road. And we're going to see what that means a little bit later. What we do with Jesus will determine our internal destiny. 
This is a big deal. This is a forever thing. What we decide with Jesus as we look at him down these roads is what's going to decide what's going on with us forever. If we love the world, we are overriding our love for Christ. There can't be a little bit of both. This is how serious this is. It's either one or the other now. Are you going to love the world or are you going to love Jesus Christ? If we choose Christ of the love of our own life and of the worldly things that we have, we are guaranteed eternal destiny with Jesus Christ. And by his own demonstration, Jesus shows us that there is death that leads to life. And that's a beautiful thing. And it may seem strange to refer to Jesus' death as a glorification. As we saw in the scripture, it's time to bring it to glory. But the death at the heart of the son's revelation of the father that laying down your own life for someone else is as love as it gets. For God is love, and he loves us so. But he loves us so much that he gives us a choice and gives us his chance to either have him in our lives or not. But this love is something I want to factor on for a few moments. And we have a screen that's going to have 1 John. And also, we go back to the beginning of John when we're going through. When we talk about the Son of Man, we're talking about this amazing thing. And it says, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but he loved us and sent us his Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. And then in John 3.16, one of the most famous scriptures that, if you're new to church, everyone's like, I know John 3.16. It was on that guy's face paint for football. Yeah, I know. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. This is what love can accomplish in our lives. This is the love that Jesus has for us. This is why he has to go through what he's going to go through. And this is why he gives us a choice. He loves us so much that he wants us to know it. It's amazing. But when we talk about the Son of Man and how he's going to come to glory, we're talking now about the cross. Something that is so widely talked about as an image, something that means so much. And if you look at it, it's just the cross can mean so many things to so many people. But to me, that's love. That someone would sacrifice their life for us. So in the cross, the heart of God is revealed and he is then glorified. That's how important this is. This is how important the scripture is, that we are glorifying God at this moment. Because death, the way that Jesus died, is a way of selflessness and sacrifice. True love. Throughout his life, Jesus has done the Father's will. And this is a key component in the internal life that he offers. God's own life is a life of love that denies himself for the sake of the beloved. And therefore, such love is the very nature of love itself. This is real life. And when we talk about love, I love how Jesus uses these images that we're able to take home with. And he starts talking in the scripture, talking about wheat and kernels. 
Where it says, but its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing in their life of this world will keep it for eternity. What does this mean for us? Well, let's just picture this wheat field. A vast field of flowy grains of wheat. Stalks of wheat. Gently going by in the breeze on a beautiful summer day. But now we're coming to fall. The season is passing through. No longer are the stalks bright green, but now golden, yellow. No longer are they soft and bendable, but they're becoming brittle. The winds are getting stronger. And soon we see the tractor going through the field, plowing the harvest, taking everything with it. And the farmer looks off and he sees this little patch that seemed to miss. They just went right over. And he, he begins to examine it and looking closer and how intricate it is. How many little grains are actually on this stalk of wheat. And this time of year we see that the, the seeds are loosening. And one falls to the ground in the field. And this is the image that Jesus wants us to have. Why exert more energy by going over there and taking it and plucking it out? What's happening is the seed goes into the ground and has a chance for life again. All the other plants have been cut down, robbed, and consumed, but this one seed that has fallen down has a chance for something greater. Unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone but its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Our life is like this seed. We are like a single seed that has a chance to do something great. And our greatness is based off of what Jesus did for us. We have a choice in our lives. We can either invest in the future, invest in other people, let Jesus work through us, let him cultivate in our lives and do something different, or it can be a single kernel that just... Is never heard of again. And I think you know which we are supposed to be. For a worldly quick fix of whatever we want in this world, we are slowly but surely going away from what Jesus had planned for us. We are falling away from everything that we've ever wanted and truly needed from Jesus just so we can get to what the world said. So Jesus stands right in the center and says, where are you going to be, guys? Our lives will be so much better off in the long run if we let Jesus be the gardener, if we let him be our breath, if him be our lives and come into our bodies. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am. Jesus is spelling it plainly for us. We need to understand that dying like a seed and hating our lives are descriptions of being a servant who obeys his master. That we are no longer under our own control. This is the amazing thing. Is that yes, we're saying that we're going to start following him. We're actually going under the care of someone else. But in going the care of someone else, we'd have less to worry about. 
as we being dead to ourselves, we don't control our own life. Now the one who should be controlling our lives is in control of it. And I guarantee you he's going to do better than what we can do. Our lives are no longer under control. They're under Christ's control. So we must follow him wherever he goes. We become dead to the worldly views and ideas of what the world wants and truly live for Jesus. This is an amazing thing. And this means so much to my heart that we understand what this means. So I want us to go around with some table talk tonight. And I want us to really start to digest what's going on. What does your wheat look like? What are you hanging on to that is worldly? And what do you need to start letting go of to live more for Christ? What worldviews do you need to drop behind and start getting more into Christ's view? What's going to help you start shedding off the world so you become more in Christ's image? We need to talk to the people around us and see where they're at because this is your support system. Jesus is breathing life into each and every one of us. And if someone feels like they're not the grain that's growing, then we need to be there to pick them up and let them know that Jesus is there with them. So take some time, start talking about what you can shed off from this world to align more in Christ's view. So it says in the scripture, anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. So we must be where he is. We must learn from him and we must be like him. We are made servants in the likeliness of Jesus Christ. How else are we going to learn to be like him unless we walk with him and learn from him? He wants us to be a representation of him. So we must serve, we must love, we must do everything that he does. And if he's going to go and die and sacrifice himself for us, then we are made to sacrifice some of the things in our own life so that we may live. This is what this is all about. It's not just a Jesus coming and fixing it and you're done. This is, we have to meet him at the fork in the road. We have to live life with Jesus Christ. Being a Christian is not an add-on to our lives. This is a real lifestyle. This isn't just a fake thing. This is something we must live, breathe, and be a part of and fully grasp a hold and learn from it. You say, well, I'm all in for Jesus. Will you freely give your agenda over to Jesus? Will you freely give everything in the world that we just talked about over to Jesus and start going his route? Are we really ready to make that steps? Because he's ready to meet you right then and show you the way that he wants you to go. He's ready to breathe in your life and give you a new life. But are you ready to do that? We have to be ready to start moving forward. We have to get rid of the worldly views. We have to start focusing on things that don't truly matter. I think it sums it better in Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 9. And Paul writes, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness, 
through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I love that part when he says it's just truly garbage. When we start to listen to people and evaluate what we've been giving up to actually get close to Jesus, the space that Jesus should have, and we're putting other things there, and we call it garbage, it kind of makes sense. I know there's so many things in my life that could easily just be taken away, but I'm like, I I still need that a little bit. I still like to do this. But how much better it is having Jesus in complete control. Amen? Amen. You guys are awake. I know it. (laughs) Maybe we should start knowing that he knows what's best for us. This is the best way to think about it. If you're scared, if you're nervous, the best way to think about it is he has your best interest. He doesn't want you to fall away. He is looking out for you. He wants that seed to be planted down and multiply. He doesn't want it to die. He wants you on the good road. That's the confidence we need to have. Nothing should be holding you back because Jesus is the one looking out for you. He's not sneakily thinking, oh, I can't wait till he fails. This is going to be great. He wants you to know that he's there for you. And the cool thing too, a side note, I hate to go on a bunny trail, I'm sorry, but it says anyone who comes to me or anyone who wants to serve must follow me because my servants must be where I am and the Father will honor anyone. That's the other thing too. If you think that you're past this point, that you don't deserve the saving or you don't think you understand Jesus enough, he's saying anyone that follows me. So if you're thinking you're unsavable right now, anyone that follows me and serves me. Keep that in your heart if that's talking to anyone because that's an important thing to understand. Jesus wants us living the fullness of his life right now. He doesn't want to wait another day. He wants us to be an action moment. From this moment on to start moving forward. Christ stands as a great divide where we get to choose where we are going to go. This is a principle of the cross. This is the love that we've get faced. Whatever you need to picture of what way you're going to go, the world or Jesus, if it's going to be Jesus, if it's going to be an image of a cross, you need to know that that is looking you right in the face, ready for you to move forward. Christ died that we might, so we may live. There's no greater thing to say. Christ died so that we may live. He insists we join him in death in order to join him in life. To surrender to Christ and our sinful condition without anything to offer him will willfully replace our dreams and goals with Christ's dreams and goals. This is not going to be an overnight thing. This is going to be a little bit of growing pains where it's not just going to be like, okay, I'm going to change. He knows it's going to take some time for us to, to merge over to his lane. But he's going to wrap his arms around you once you're there. But this is the powerful point as we move forward towards the end of our, our verses. Is that Jesus, we hear about all this stuff that he wants so much for us. But at the same time, we have to remember who Jesus Christ is. Yes, he's 100% God, but at the same time, he's man. And the next verses we're going to cover hold something that is tough to digest sometimes. Because we're going to deal a pain factor. And I was thinking the best way to describe this is, you know what? Hurts is stubbing your toe or getting a paper cut. Those things suck. 
and they hurt. So just imagine that you knew that you were going to stub your toe three times at 5 o'clock on Friday. Like, you knew it. You're like, this sucks. So you have to live the next couple days like, oh, Friday's coming, going to stub my toe. And that's just a little pain. Imagine what Jesus Christ as a man is going to go through for us, knowing that he's going to have to sacrifice his life for us. That's deep stuff. So it says in verse 27, Now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? But this is the very reason I came. Father, bring glory to your name. Then a voice spoke from heaven saying, I have already brought glory to my name and I will do so again. When the crowd heard the voice, some thought it was thunder, while others declared an angel had spoken to him. Then Jesus told them, the voice was for your benefit, not mine. The time for judging this world has come when Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. He said this to indicate how he was going to die. The dying process is not easy. Jesus knows this. It wasn't for Jesus. It's not going to be easy for us. When we say that we're going to get ready to die to the world and some things, some things are going to be very hard, they're going to be painful, and they're going to be a process to move forward from. But if Jesus is able to overcome it, he knows we are going to be able to as well. Jesus said no to his human desires of maybe taking away the pain to fulfill and glorify God's plan for him. God's plan for each and every one of us. We express our confidence that what he said is true. We trade our sinful lives for his righteous life. What a beautiful image to walk with. It's no longer about us, but about him. So we're going to do a really quick table talk. Because Jesus didn't die for nothing. Jesus deserves us to be doing something back for him. So this is it. I'm giving you guys easy homework to talk about. So it's all, where are we? Are we in, we're in November now. You have two months. So the end of the year, this is very easy. What is one or two things that you're going to do by the end of the year to glorify his name? Are you going to serve? Where would you serve and why? Are you going to pray more? Are you going to study? Are you going to read? Are you going to talk more about Jesus to others? Whatever you're going to do in your life, so whatever, it's going to be simple you can get the cheat sheet and just do something simple. But if you really want to push yourselves and start moving in the other lane, start thinking outside the box, what are you going to do for the next month and a quarter to glorify Jesus Christ? Go ahead and take some time and start answering that. So it's saying God is bringing glory by what Jesus is doing at this one moment. So... All we have to do is then he deserves even more glory. So I want other people to see Jesus through us. That's why we're able to do these things. One or two things to glorify him so others can see Jesus Christ through you, which will be in this whole place, seeing Jesus. What an amazing thing to have. He deserves so much glory. And the people began to understand what was going on as we close out our, our verses tonight. In verse 34 through 36. So the crowd responded, we understood from scripture that the Messiah would live forever. How can you say that the Son of Man will die? 
just who is this son of man anyway? Jesus replied, my light will shine for you just a little longer. Walk in the light while you can, so the darkness will not overtake you. Those who walk in the darkness cannot see where they are going. Put your trust in the light while there is still time. Then you will become children of the light. I love that last verse. Put your trust in the light while there is still time. Then you will become children of the light. After saying these things, Jesus went away to be hidden. But he knows that this needed to be said. Just a little bit longer, this light was going to be there for someone to walk with. He wants us to become sons and daughters of the light so desperately. He wants us to walk in this light. What light are we talking about? We have to go all the way back to when we first started the Gospel of John. I was looking through the calendar in shock that it was January 16th. Jeremy taught on the beginning part of John. And this is the light that we get to walk with. So the word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. Never. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The The one who is the true light who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He's in the world. He's ready to guide us. He is that light that we have to look for. As he stands right in front of us, he is illuminating a path that he wants us to go on, that he will continue to walk with you on. Why do we choose the dark road? Is it the the sense of adventure? Is it the convenience I'm done going down the dark road. I'm done hitting potholes and stumbling over myself and running into all kinds of bad things. I want to go down the good road that holds so much more. I want to have a light that's beaming so bright because I know I'll never lose my way. Because the moment that we walk in that light, we're then going to have this radiation glow to us everywhere we go because people are going to know that Jesus Christ is in you. This is the goal. This is why we give up the worldly views. This is why we give up the material things. This is why we die to ourselves to then walk with Jesus Christ because we need to be a representation of him. We need others to see Jesus so much. The goal for the next month is to bring more people to Jesus. Pray for them. It syncs up with whatever you were going to do. If you're going to pray more, study more, whatever you're doing, you're bringing Jesus in and you're thinking of people who need Jesus. You can do this. You are the light. You guys walk and you serve, you love. You guys are the representations of Jesus. Now let's show them around this time of year. Christmas is coming up. This is when the churches are packed. Let's be so bright that people don't want to leave. Let them be the little moth in this room just attracted to the light, that they come for Christmas and they never leave. This is our goal. And I believe that this is the time that he's going to reveal himself even more to us. So let's look to him. Let's pray for breakthrough and going down the road that he wants. Let's pray. 
Lord, we thank you for your light, that you continually want us to go down that right path, that you never want us to go down the other path, that you never want us to be alone and feeling dead inside. Lord, instead we're dead and we feel alive because we're with you. So we lift over our lives to you. Hand everything over, whatever has been holding us back, we ask you to break the bondage and start letting us just go freely with you, Lord. Continue to work on us if things are holding us back. We love you and we need you. It's your name we pray. All God's people said, amen.